Hello, Internet. Welcome to the show. Thank you for joining us. The Spurs get the number one draft pick in the NBA draft. And how are the NFL, not the NFL, how's the NBA playoffs going so far? Jesus. <laughs> we suck. <laughs> Why do we do a podcast? <laughs> All right, let's try this one more time. Hello, Internet. Welcome to the show. Thanks for joining us. The Spurs get the number one pick in the NBA draft. In the Major League Baseball, they ban a home run celebration. And the update on the NBA... And an update on the NBA... Another one. And an update on the NBA playoffs so far. All that and more, my name is Darren, that is AJ, and this is the DNA Sports Recap. Roll the intro. So how's it going, AJ? Doing good, man, I, I think. How are you doing? <laughs> doing well, doing well. So it is it's about uh, almost 11 o'clock our time, and uh, I got to work in the morning. How about you? Yes, I also have to work, so this should be an adventurous night. This will be, this will be. All right, let's go ahead and jump right into it. Let's go ahead and talk about the NBA. Where do you want to start first? Uh, let's go with the NBA draft, man. Okay, let's start there. Um, okay, so the draft went down about, uh, I guess, last night. Um depending on when you're, when you're listening to this. And, uh, well, who got the overall, who got the number one pick? Um, just as we all predicted, the Spurs get the number one draft pick, which is, looks like they're going to be the team to land Mr. Victor Wembanyama. Yeah, how about that, boy? Who could have saw that coming? Just about everybody. Yeah, I mean, which team could land a transcendent big man in the NBA draft? Oh, probably the team has done it twice before. That sounds pretty accurate. Okay, okay. Yeah. Good, good, good. Glad the NBA is on script. Consistency is key, my friend. Consistency yes. is key. Yes, it is. And this was what's not really fair about this, because after they traded away uh, their, basically their all-star. DeJounte Murray. Basically acquiring a whole bunch of draft picks, now they're sitting at like six or seven uh, first round draft picks over the next five years as well as a transcendent big man uh, plus 40 billion dollars in uh, cap space so things are looking good for uh, Popovich yeah I do feel like this was the NBA saying hey Pop you've done a great job so far in the NBA here's one more ridiculously talented pick <laughs> go ahead and see what you can do with this guy yeah yeah same as you did with the last guy right um, and that ended well for the rest of the NBA. There was no dynasty there at all. So, uh, all right, NBA, you've got maybe a year or two where you can be relevant. And then it's, uh, back to Spurs dynasty, I think. I don't know, man. I mean, to be clear, the highest paid player on this Spurs team as of this year is Doug McDermott at $13.75 million. Okay. When when Doug McDermott, Devontae Graham, and Zach Collins are your three highest paid players on a roster, and then you're just looking to add Victor Wembanyama, 
I'm not sure you're looking to be the most talented team in the NBA. You're probably right on that, but in all reality, it doesn't really matter what's going on next year. It's the fact you get a year of Victor's development, basically, under his belt. And then from there on, I mean, the draft class after next season is completely stacked. You're talking, I believe, Jimmy Butler, Anthony Davis, Paul George, Kawhi Leonard, Damian Lillard. Basically, the all-star team is going to be available in free agency starting after next season. So a year of development for Victor Webanyama, $40 million of cash space, plus a slew of picks you could trade. I mean, things are looking great for the Spurs. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, they've got some young talent, Kelvin Johnson, Trey Jones. I mean, they're up-and-coming players. They're going to help make this, you know, move this Spurs team into relevancy as Victor Wembanyama continues to, you know, get this one year under his belt, Mm -hmm. get some experience, get used to the NBA speed, because I don't care what level of French basketball you're playing at, it's not the NBA. No. You know what I mean? Definitely not. Um, So, okay, well, let's go ahead and circle back to our hometown team here, the Utah Jazz. Uh, They stay put on what their best odds were with picks 9, 16, which is what they got from the Timberwolves, and pick number 28 uh, in this draft, which is basically where they were supposed to be drafting at. In the history of the draft lottery, the Utah Jazz have never uh, increased their odds of basically improving in their pick. They've only either A, stayed at or be dropped in the draft. Well, their highest draft pick ever was number three, your good friend, Endis DeCanter. Endis DeCanter, that's right. <laughs> in a previous episode, we named yeah. my Boost Turbo DeCanter, Endis DeCanter. Uh, <laughs> so uh, be sure to check that out, the previous episode uh, yep. of the podcast. And then the, the most recent top five pick was Mr. Dante Exum out of Australia. Yes, that guy was worth every penny that we got for him because without him, we would never have uh, traded for Joe Ingles. Or no, we didn't trade for him. He was released and then we signed him. So we would have never gotten Joe Ingles because we literally just brought him in to be travel buddy for Dante Exum. So if it wasn't for that pick, we would never have got uh, Slow Mo Joe. So Love you, Joe. Love you, Joe. Hope to see you on the bench uh, for Utah as a coach here soon in the next couple of years. Um, any chance that the Jazz uh, take a couple of their picks and try and trade up in the draft? Or do you think that's uh, not likely? Uh, I mean, I think there's always going to be a chance. You know what I mean? Like, I think there could be a team lower down in the draft that's possibly, you know, maybe not in a position for one of these superstar players. I know that sounds crazy, but, you know, a team that they might already have some talent on and that might be looking to get you know, two players out of this draft rather than just one. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. I don't know if they really move into the top five. I think maybe, uh, well, well, maybe top five is possible. I don't know. I have full faith in our in our GM. Danny Ainge will lead us to victory. Okay. I, yeah, I like that. I like that. Um, all right. So moving on from the draft, let's go ahead and talk a little bit about the uh, NBA playoffs. Now, uh, Denver and the Lakers game two uh, just wrapped tonight. Um just a few moments ago. Uh, but let's go ahead and discuss game one here. That was, I believe, not last night, but the night before, right? Correct. Okay. Uh, at the time of recording, anyway. Uh, let's first talk about, uh, you know, Jokic's performance. 34 points, 21 rebounds, 14 assists, two blocks. He averaged 70% from the field and 100% from three. That's an insane stat line. It is. Nikola Jokic is going to dominate this whole series, I feel. 
Okay. I, I don't know. You know, as great of a as a defensive player as Anthony Davis is supposed to be. <laughs> I don't I don't know if if you can contain Jokic with just one player ever. I don't think they could send enough people at him. And the the big threat with sending two people at him is you're gonna leave the likes of uh, Michael Porter Jr., Jeff Green, Contavious Caldwell Pope, uh, Jamal Murray, wide open. Yeah. Once you do that, they're going to do exactly what happened in game one, which was just absolutely slaughter you from the three-point line. You know, the Lakers really struggled to switch everything on defense. Being the number one defense in the playoffs up to this point and the Nuggets having the number one offense, they're going to struggle, man, switching some of these guys. Like, they just – they don't – size advantage goes to the Nuggets. Uh, yeah. You're you're looking at Austin Reeves, who's 6'5", to be guarding guys like Michael Porter Jr., a 6'10". Uh, Jeff Green and Aaron Gordon, and they're both listed as 6'8". Um, and, I mean, even even Candavious Caldwell Pope at 6'5". Like, those are tough matchups for a guy. You know, with Austin Reeves, a 6'5", Dennis Schroeder, a 6'1". I just see them really struggling to, to stay up on top of this Nuggets team and not get them open looks. Yeah, I can see that. Let's also talk about, you know, Anthony Davis. And, um, you know, he scored 40 points in game one. Yeah. Right? Uh, still somehow ma- managed to have a negative eight on the plus minus scale. And with zero turnovers. So what does that tell you? I think Anthony Davis is... He's going to have trouble finding a way to impact this game positively just because he's going to be primarily guarding Nikola Jokic or, I mean, even like a Michael Porter Jr. Mm-hmm. Who, who's just going to put up so many points on him. It doesn't matter right. what how many points he's scoring. It's just going to look bad in his box score. I, I think he's going to really sc- struggle to affect this game positively, not to mention who knows if he can stay healthy. Yeah, that's the key thing for me. If he spends any time guarding Jokic, and Jokic is going to body him up quite a bit, I don't. I would not be surprised if he doesn't make it through the series without some type of injury. He has to sit out a game or two. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, let's go ahead and talk a little bit about uh, Game Two here. If we look at the scores on uh, score on Game Two that just wrapped a little bit ago. Denver Nuggets won by five, 108 to 103. Looks like uh, it was all Murray on this one. It says that Murray ignites in the fourth as the Nuggets take a 2-0 series lead. So Jamal Murray uh, had 42 minutes, scored 37 points in this game. Wow. Uh, was 11 for 24. So decent offensive night. Not, uh, yeah, I mean, I think that's the, that's the Jamal Murray that this Denver Nuggets team really needs to take this and be successful. Mm-hmm. All the way into the finals. They don't need them every single night because they got Nicole Jokic. They got Michael Porter Jr. I mean, they've even got some great complimentary pieces and Jeff Green, Aaron Gordon. But when Jokic is having any kind of an off night, they need Jamal Murray to step up, score 50, be the guy that can get you a bucket whenever you need one. You know, obviously watched his 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 bubble games against against our Jazz. Yep. Um, when when he would just absolutely ignite and just you know he could hit a shot from anywhere anytime. That's that's the Jamal Murray that this Nuggets team needs to be successful. Um, I hope he can continue doing it. Uh, I'm going to say Nuggets and six. I like that call. Maybe even five. Uh, so Michael Porter Jr. Uh, scored 16 points. Uh, he was. Five for ten shooting. Five for ten shooting. So fifty percent from the field, fifty-seven percent from three. Uh, Aaron Gordon was five for nine with ten points. Uh, Nikola Jokic uh, actually took a back seat on this game uh, to Jamal Murray. He was nine of twenty-one, forty-two percent from the field, zero for three uh, from downtown. Uh, but what's the thing about Jamal Murray's stat line that really stands out to me here is that he's got. 
10 rebounds, five assists, four steals. That's pretty impressive. Well, it just shows that he was putting effort in on both sides of the court, dude. Like I said, that's that's really the guy that they need. Mm-hmm. You know, he, he's got to be a two-way player that's that's showing up, um, that's kind of setting the pace defensively for this for this Nuggets team that, I mean, is, is realistically known as an offensive juggernaut. I mean, that's, they've been number one through the playoffs for that reason right there. They've got a ton of offensive weapons. They've got Aaron Gordon, who's high-flying. He's athletic. He's looking to throw the ball down uh, and, and really get the momentum swinging in the way of the Nuggets. Uh, and then they've got, obviously, some really talented scorers in Nikola Jokic, uh, Michael Porter Jr., and obviously Jamal Murray. So um, with Jamal Murray really stepping up and playing defense, that's going to help them, you know, just get the, just get the momentum going their way. Um, you know, being up 2-0 going back to L.A., this is advantage Nuggets, dude. Oh, yeah. 2-0 going back to L.A. Uh, you had Jamal Murray being the star of the show in Game 2. Jokic being the star of the show in Game 1. Both seriously stepping up for their team. You know, they basically said, okay, we're going to shut down Jokic in Game 2, and then somebody else burned them. You know, so uh, on the Lakers' side, uh, nobody uh, nobody scored more than 22 points. LeBron James had 22. Uh, and Austin Reeves had 22 uh, Hachimura, Ryu Hachimura had 21 and all negative on the plus minus scale. Most of uh, most them double digits. So, um, yeah, definitely sounds like Denver in five seems more, more and more likely as, as we as we look at the series unfolding. So, yeah, I mean, realistically, Denver takes one of these games in LA and it's over when they come back home. Yeah. All right, let's go ahead and move across the. Uh, Bracket there to Miami Boston uh, game one. What's your takeaway on that one? So the biggest set that sticks out to me in this Miami and Boston game is the Heat go on to shoot fifty one point six percent from three. The Celtics shoot just thirty four point five percent from three. Wow! Anytime you shoot fifty one point six percent from the three point line in an NBA game, you're winning. Yeah. I mean, Jason Tatum did score 30 points. However, he didn't shoot uh, at all in the fourth quarter. and only had five pose- five shot attempts total in the second half, uh, which doesn't bode well for them. And also, between the two of them, uh, Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum, they had 10 turnovers. Brown had six, Tatum had four, and uh, Jalen Brown was one for six from three, like you were talking about earlier, as far as being outshot by Miami from deep, um, which I think is a really interesting stat here. Uh, ESPN before this series started. Do you know what percentage they gave the Miami Heat of reaching the finals? I don't. It's uh, 3%. <laughs> You're kidding me. No. It was uh, announced on the Dan Patrick show this morning. Uh, ESPN gave them 3% chance of reaching the finals. You're, you're telling me that they thought there was a 97% chance that Boston advances in this series. Well, well we didn't think that because you and I both had Miami reaching it this far. Check out a previous episode. Exactly. So we both had Miami making it this far, uh, so we didn't think so. But if you really think about it, Boston is the most talented team that's left in the playoffs. I would argue that Denver is the most complete team, but as far as talent goes, Boston's right up there. So uh, Miami, who has basically Jimmy Butler, Bam Adebayo. Bam Adebayo, Kevin Love. My, my point is that the Heat have championship experience. That's what's going to carry them past Boston. I think you're right on that one. Um, I don't know. I just, I think that's crazy. Yeah, I just, I mean, in, in Jimmy Butler, we trust for that team, dude. Oh, yeah. I mean, they, they go as he goes, really. Yeah. Where do you see this one 
defending up. I got Miami in seven. I'm going to say Miami in six. We'll see how it goes down tomorrow night and see what happens there. Yeah. <laughs> tomorrow will be the tell. Yes, definitely. Uh, I can definitely see game two shifting the series either way. Um, you got anything else on the, uh, on the NBA? Nope, that's it, man. All right. Well, let's go ahead and move into Major League Baseball. Um, I don't. Let's first start with a little bit of history here. I want to talk about uh, a pitcher that we've talked about a few times on the show, uh, Zach Greinke. Uh, as you remember, we talked about him earlier, uh, a few episodes when the Pitchcom came into uh, fruition this year. And in spring training, he switched it. Instead of having the catcher with the uh, button pushes on the knee, he put it on his belt. So he was calling his own pitches from the mound. And then crazy thought, uh, no, not crazy thought, but even crazier than calling his own pitches, he shook himself off. He would type in a pitch, shake, and then type in another one. <laughs> so he was arm- just to throw everyone off, dude. I guess so. I guess so. Just throwing everybody's timing off. Anyway, uh, he made history. Uh, he became the fifth pitcher in Major League Baseball over last week to strike out 1,000 hitters. 1,000 different hitters. Yes, 1,000 different hitters. Sorry, I guess I should make that clarification. Yeah, so <laughs> so crazy fact. Um, do you know the other four pitchers that he just joined on that list? No, no, I'm not familiar. Uh, go ahead and try on Randy Johnson, Jeez. the big unit. That's right. Roger Clemens. Okay, the Rocket. Greg Maddox, and okay. Nolan Ryan. Wow. That's some pretty impressive company. That is some very impressive company. Um, yeah. Did you ever see that clip of when Randy Johnson beamed a bird? Dude, it's the coolest thing I've ever seen in my life. That's insane. Yeah. That's insane. Um, but yeah, no, that's impressive. Zach Rinke, um, congratulations, man. Couldn't have gone to a better guy. Uh, he's one of the most interesting pitchers to watch in the game. Um, I, I think we've talked in a previous episode about how he wanted to quit baseball and become a professional lawnmower at one point. So, um, interesting cat. Uh, yeah, congratulations, Zach, on uh, this milestone. Yeah, pretty awesome, dude. Very awesome. Uh, all right, let's go ahead and move into something a little bit more uh, joyful here. Let's talk about, well, not necessarily Zach, but he's not joyful, but let's go ahead and talk about something a little funnier uh, versus record-breaking. Let's talk about MLB home run celebrations. Um, I don't know if you've heard this in the news lately, but uh, a recent uh, MLB team has been banned from their home run celebration. Before we get to that, let's talk about a few of them and, and what we're talking about here. Mainly is the props, the props that are being involved, right? Uh, so the Angels have a samurai hat, right? Have you seen that? Yeah, I've seen Yeah. yeah. Uh, the Red Sox have inflatable dumbbells to basically, you know, I don't know. I don't care what that one means. But we have the Nationals who have a powdered wig, uh, just like, um, you know, how those long, like, ridiculously, you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, right? yeah. Those things are crazy. Um, the A's have Thor's hammer, which you probably haven't seen much because, you know, you actually have to hit bombs to see that. Right, you got to actually hit one to use that. Yeah, sorry, Ace. I mean, we look forward to seeing, catch you some games when you're in Vegas, but for right now, that's... Uh, it's unfortunate. It's just not happening. It's not great. It's not great. Uh, the, pitch, the Pirates have a sword, a swashbuckling sword, which is kind of cool. Uh, but let's go ahead and talk about the team that actually had theirs. Dude, you missed the coolest one. Which one did I miss? The Triton. The gold Triton that the oh, Seattle that's Mariners right. That's use. Right. That's true. The, the Triton. <laughs> I think that one's kind of just on the nose because that's kind of their logo already. I love it, dude. Yeah. 
There's actually uh, the Minnesota Twins. Have you seen theirs? Huh. So they put on a, a fishing vest and a little kid's casting reel. And on the back it says, Land of a Thousand Rakes. <laughs> and they do a little fake casting towards the camera. That's, yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. Not great when they're hitting home runs against your team. It's not as funny, but... Um, anyway, <laughs> this is hilarious at all. <laughs> no, no. Uh, so let's go ahead and get back uh, to the team that actually had uh, their home run celebration band, which is uh, Mil- uh, Line of Braves. Why don't you go ahead and explain to the kind folks out there what they do for home run celebration? Yeah, so beginning of the season, someone throws down um, one of the big, gigantic hats after a home run. They just took it and ran with it the whole season, bro. Mm. They just went. They're wearing the big hat. And, of course, that is unfortunately not going to be allowed. Right. Um, new Era uh, owns the exclusive rights for any hats worn on the field in any MLB game. That is not a New Era hat. No. No, it's not. And New Era says, yeah, go ahead and nix that Atlanta Braves. You will not be wearing any gear on the field that is not New Era branded. Yes. So uh, to kind of bring everybody up full circle on that, uh, New Era is has the exclusive rights for any baseball cap that's on the field, in the dugout, in the bullpen, basically within the facility. So... Uh, we have a simple solution for this, though, here at the DNA Sports Recap. Um, just New Era. Just go ahead and get one of your giant iron arm patches with your logo on it. And slap that SOB on the side of that hat and call it a, call it a day. It's really that easy. Or just, just make, make a big hat. Or just make one. Yeah. Just make one. Yeah. This isn't hard, guys. This just one. Hard. They only need one big hat. You know, and this one, we'll, we'll give you that one for free. You know, we're available for consulting gigs if you want us, but we'll give you that one for free for sure. Yep. You got yeah. it, New Era. Yeah. We'll and be waiting for the emails. Congratulations, New Era, for just ruining everybody's fun. So speaking of ridiculous things that players are wearing, have you seen some of these sponsorship patches they're allowing on baseball jerseys now? I haven't. So it's ridiculous. It's the size of your arm. So unless you're like Yasiel Puig or one of these yoked guys, you're going to have this patch that's sticking out wider than your arm does on the side of your sleeve. And a whole bunch of teams haven't put them on yet, but you'll know one when you see one on a player. You're just like, it's ridiculous. I, I know NBA has their little patch on the thing and, you know, soccer, it's pretty much plastered all over them. But yeah. I don't know, man. Or any woman's sport. It's just when it comes to Major League Baseball, man, I'm kind of a purist when it comes to the uniforms. Um, and the jerseys, I, I just, yeah, I, I, I don't like it. I can't uh, can't get on board with that one. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, I think that one's more ridiculous than New Era betting the Braves uh, home run celebration hat. Well, moving right along, let's go ahead and wrap this one up with a little bit of controversy in Major League Baseball. So, um, have, you, have you heard about uh, Aaron Judge? Tommy has the peeping going on. Yep, I saw this one. Okay, this is fantastic. Okay, so for those of you who didn't catch it, by the way, this series has been a, a lot of fun to watch with between um, the Blue Jays and the Yankees. They have no, um, they have no problems just letting each other know how they feel about each other. Like they're they're definitely always makes for a good series. Yes, definitely does. But uh, so um, the Toronto Blue Jays announcers uh, made sure to point out something um, that you know honestly, if I was a broadcaster, I would have made note of it too because it's quite obvious. Judge when he was standing in the box uh, right before he belted a two-run homer like dead center and blasted it like 450 feet, um, glanced over for several seconds into his dugout before the pitch was thrown. Yeah. So this led the announcers to think 
that he's somehow trying to get the sign, maybe, or, you know. Gain some sort of a tactical advantage. Yes. That's going to lead him to pummel this ball over 400 feet over the left center field. Yeah. And then the, the next game, you had the red, the Blue Jays faceful shouting, cheater, cheater. And, um, I don't know. I mean, did you, um, you actually have Judge's uh, response after the game when they talked about it, right? When they asked him? Yeah. So, you know, they, they asked him pretty much, you know, what were you looking at when you were, when you were up to bat when you had that second home run? Mm-hmm. And uh, he pretty much says, I was looking back at the dugout. Their head coach, Aaron Boone, had just been tossed. So he was pretty much just watching the dugout. He'd heard somebody chirping in the dugout. He wanted to make sure, hey, are those guys still talking, even though our, you know, our head coach just got thrown out. Was it general manager in baseball? Uh, Yeah. Well, manager. Manager. So, anyways, Aaron Boone had just got hurt. Aaron Boone had just gotten tossed out. Mm-hmm. Um, he heard somebody chirping in the dugout. He looks back, wanted to see who it was. You know, he's the leader of that team. He must be able to go over, say something, make sure it's corrected. Nobody else gets tossed out of that. Nobody else gets tossed out of the baseball game. Yeah, I mean, they're already up by six runs. It's a bad luck to keep John, you know, keep John after he absolutely after he kicked out. And just the sheer talent this guy has that he can watch a pitcher start his windup look over the dugout for a second or two and then focus back on the pitcher and then just destroy that ball is insane yeah the fact that if there's any accusations of him being tipped on what that pitch is um if he's got response time to look into a dugout read a pitch look back at the pitcher determine that the pitch is what they said it was because even if somebody was tipping you pitches you're not just going to trust it you're still going to try to check the spin to make sure it's not yeah well we're seeing fastball coming in if they call the curveball right i have to agree with you man like even if he was getting it from the dugout or from the base coaches on what the pitch was in baseball that's perfectly fine man i mean that's gamesmanship if you're if your catcher's giving away the pitch, if he's not covering it up, if your pitcher is somehow tipping his pitch on how he's delivering, there's nothing wrong with that in baseball. That's not cheating. That's part of the game. Yep. You know, I mean, imagine why does every NFL coach take their uh, play sheet and cover their mouth when they talk into the microphone? Because that's part of the game. Because that's part of the game. Somebody on the other side is trying to read your read your lips and see what you're saying. That's part of the game. Same thing in baseball. So even if that was the case and he somehow had a way to get the pitch, there's no technologies being there's no technology being used. There's no Apple watches, there's no cameras in center field, they're on the road. If they found a way to pick up the pitch, good on them, man. That's just part of the game. But in this case, I agree with you that Judge's response is pretty accurate. This guy doesn't need any help. He probably would find it a bigger distraction to know what the pitch is coming versus just being able to read it. So Yeah, totally agree. Yeah. I think that's pretty crazy. But um, you got anything else on Major League Baseball? That's what I got, man. All right. Well, once again, folks, thank you for very much for joining us here. If you are watching this on YouTube, keep in mind the full episode is available uh, as a podcast underneath YouTube playlists. If you go to our channel, go to the playlist. There's one that says podcast. The full episode will be available there on everything we talked about. It's also available wherever you find your podcasts. Yep, and if you're watching on YouTube, make sure you like, smash that subscribe button. Please comment. Uh, we love the engagement with you guys. It's been awesome. It's really uh, been awesome lately. 
Yeah, really enjoyed yeah, we've reaction. got some really good ones. Uh, we appreciate it. Let us know what you think of the channel. If there's anything you you know you want to see in the future, yeah, it's been awesome. Yeah, once again, folks. My name is Darren. That is AJ, and this has been the DNA Sports Recap. Till next time.